episode of Setting the Tone, and in our retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we're discussing Season 7, Episode 13, Spooky, which is titled, Thy Will Be Done. The episode aired on February 8th, 2000. I, don't... I always fuck this up. I don't know why. <laughs> the episode aired on February 8th, 2001. Lauren, what was going on that week 21 years ago? Well, first off, I have to say you're probably confused because in the notes I originally put this as 2022 and was like, wait, that's not right. That's not right. It's fixed, um, it's fixed now, though, so what's yeah, the excuse? I'd, I was trying to give you an out. Uh, the NFL Pro Bowl, but no one cares about that. Valentine, a Valentine's Day-themed slasher film starring Denise Richards, David Boreanaz, and featured Grey's Anatomy star, such stars Jessica Capshaw and Katherine Heigl, Debuts but loses the box office race to The Wedding Singer by a mere $600,000. It was like 10.6 to 10.0. So not a very big weekend for the box office. For some reason, I thought Wedding Singer came out like late 90s, not early aughts. 2001 seems very late for Wedding Singer. I I would have thought more like 98. That was exactly the area I was thinking for that. So weird, but I love that movie. I just go off the website with the that gives me the box office totals by week per year so i mean I, my, I believe it i just i just don't believe it at the same time oh my god and road trip favorite for my family it wasn't me by shaggy featuring rick rock takes over the top spot on the music charts my mom loved this song until we were old enough to understand what it was saying <laughs> and then we had to take it off our rotation also, yeah is that, that, is that where tiktok got its name no rick rock uh, i'm gonna guess no uh this also seems very late for this like this i associate this song much more with like 99 2000 like again wikipedia article billboard we, top no we it's trust just you. yeah we trust you it's just it's just weird how your brain reorganizes things in your own head of like because to me this song is more of a like 2000 song like i, I associate it heavily with like the summer before middle school for me which mm. obviously wasn't the case because <laughs> It's not on the charts until... It just inspire those, inspires those feelings. I guess so, yeah. Well, actually, no. Now that I think about it, my summer before middle school was the summer of 2001. So actually, now that I'm hey! thinking about it, I'm actually... There we go. Okay. It, it all makes sense. We got there. Uh, what else was on? At 8 p.m., Friends with the episode, The One Where They All Turned 30. Did anyone see the tweet recently about how... Uh, all of the Friends cast members now are now older than every cast member of the Golden Girls was in the first season of the Golden Girls. <laughs> and it ruined everyone's day. Like, huh? everyone was upset about it. Well, <laughs> to be fair, the cast of the Golden Girls were actually all fairly young when that was going on. Like, if you look at how old their characters are supposed to be and stuff, they're yeah. not supposed to be super freaking old. It's just characters in the 80s, like... That age, like 55, 60, felt older than it does now or whatever. Right. So, when, and when you also realize that the woman who played Sophia is actually the youngest of that whole cast. Yeah, which is crazy. That's, that never, that never sounds correct when I hear that fact, but yeah. I am Sophia. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just thought that I, you all deserve to, <laughs> to suffer the same existential crisis that uh, me and everyone, up to and including Ted Cruz for some reason, who felt compelled to reply to that tweet and be like, I hate this. Like, it, it even and managed. We hate him. So. We hate him, yeah. But it was just like, it, it was a really bizarre uh, afternoon on Twitter when somebody made that tweet. Um, 
at 8.30, Saturday Night Live, checking in with its second of two uh, attempts at combating the mammoth ratings that Survivor is getting over on CBS. Uh, as we covered last week, uh, this is ultimately unsuccessful, but good try, Lorne. Uh, at 9 o'clock, Will and Grace with the episode Brothers, A Love Story. And at 9.30, Just Shoot Me with the episode The Auction. I thought you said good good try, Lorne. I, I did too. Like, I was like, okay. What the hell <laughs> no, did Lorne, as in Michaels. As in Michaels. We both Not, were like, uh, what did I do? Although I would love to see Lauren produce a show that airs live at 11 p.m. on a Saturday. Fuck that. <laughs> it, would it would be just be run by production assistants. Lauren would Lauren would check in at 12:30 just before the show goes off the air because she got up for a drink of water and needed to send something to the group chat. How <laughs> dare you, Daniel? That's supposed to just be between the four of us. Like for the record, guys, I go to bed at like 8 and I'll send random stuff when I wake up in the middle of the night to go use the facilities or get a drink of water and they'll wake up to it at like 3 a.m. going, "Okay, <laughs> Cool, Lauren, you're talking to yourself. It's like, this was important. I had to share. I take some sleeping pills, and I'm out for the night. Uh, This week's episode had 28.2 million viewers tuning in, directed by Richard Thorpe, doing his 14th out of 31. Previous one of his from this season was Benton Backwards. And written by the team of Joe Sachs, doing his 10th out of 35. Previous ones of his from this season include Surrender and Flight of Fancy. And newcomer Meredith Steam? Stime? I'm completely Thanks guessing steam. on Steam. Yeah, Meredith Steam, who's doing her first of six episodes as a writer through 2002. Uh, she is also uh, known as being a producer on the TV series Homeland, NYPD Blue, and Cold Case. And no Benton and no Chen this week, continuing the Migna Wen maternity leave tour. All right, our previously on this week is brought to us by Carter, and we open with Mark headed in for a chemotherapy appointment. Um, Looks like this is kind of old hat form at this point. What? I I meant to put radiology. Well, it's radiation. It is, ra- I mean, it is but... radiology. I suppose it is overseen by a radiologist, but like he's getting radiation treatments. Yeah, so I meant radiation, not chemotherapy. That's okay. what I'm saying. Because chemo is when you have the stuff going in the when you're sitting for two hours and letting the stuff in the bag poison uh, okay. you. Radiation is when he's getting the horror mask done. He's getting radiation injected. No, well, not injected, but he's getting radiation shot into his brain. So he has the horrifying looking mask that you occasionally mm. see on these shows that like locks your face in place. Which is important. But... Yeah, because he, he, Mark even mentions like, oh, yeah, it's like, oh, we're, oh, hold on, we're a millimeter off. And he's like, oh, yeah, take your time. I don't want to zap anything that doesn't need to be zapped. Mm. <laughs> mm. And. Old hat for him at this point. Just can we skip the gown? I, I got a shift. So only eight more days, though, according right. to the according to the person, whoever radiologist, radiation oncologist, whatever you want to call them. Yep. Yeah. Oh God. Okay. So this episode is a crazy one. I'm going to start off by saying that right now. Notes go super fast. So there's going to be some very odd chunks and ways this is all parsed out. Bear with us. The pacing on this episode was a very strange one. With that being said, we start off with a 58-year-old clown brought in from a birthday party. Uh, Malucci is super freaked out and asks Carter if he can take it. And they're like, what, are you afraid of clowns, Dave? (laughs) Yes, he is. Uh, Who wouldn't be? eh. I was really afraid of them when I'd go to the circus as a kid, but I don't know about now if a clown walked up to me if I'd be that scared. The only acceptable clown is Bozo the Clown. Real Chicago people know. 
he is a Chicago institution. But anyway, Halle asks Carter if uh, he can talk to a woman who is asking for a clean needle, trying to dispose of a used one. And this woman is saying that a doctor in the ER, in the ER said she could come back and do it. Just, okay, that's weird. Uh, Carter says they can't. They're not able to do a needle exchange here. They would, and... they would never do this because, you know, why draw attention to a big name person who's no longer around? But I was dying for there to be, like, a mention of, like, well, I used to come to this free clinic here, but ever mm-hmm. since you all stopped doing that, like that kind of like they yeah. were, they're never going to mention Carol's name if they don't have to. Right. But Absolutely. like, but th- that would have been an excellent, like in Canon moment to like bring that up. Yep. Cause then we'd go, Oh wait, where'd the clinic go? So it's just a whole thing where like, right. Don't even do it. Um, but then Randy says a call came in for Carter saying his date has canceled for a fundraiser tonight. Um, we see a, a nurse we don't often hear named, Mary the nurse, is asked to handle one of his patients that has been there a while. This will be important later. Um, we go back to the clown, and Carter asks Abby if she wants to join him for the charity event. It is dinner and dancing at the History Museum. A.K.A. the Field Museum here in Chicago. We Yes, we will get into that later. We have thoughts on, on the name yeah. situation there. And we got our early Whose Films Are Those... Exciting, exciting. And uh, Abby has to pop her head out to say the wonderful, iconic line of Dr. Weaver, this clown is crashing. Just and with that expert level line read by Maura Tierney there, too. Like just the deadpan, ho hum, another day at work yeah. type of line read is just perfection. And with that, the plot has been moved forward and we are in with some bangs. I love uh, the. The, we are now like it's enshrined in his character canon that Malucci is afraid of clowns. Like yep. I love, I love that little tidbit being added. Um, and I also like the Mary, the nurse uh, uh, mention uh, like actually getting a name because that, that lady is around right a lot. Like I'm pretty sure she's been with us since season one, um, but she's just been kind of strictly a background nurse and they would occasionally do it. They do it a lot more in the really late seasons, like 14, 15 as the show's kind of winding down they start giving the background people a little a line here or there just you know as kind of a thank you for all their you know years of hard work um but uh, this is one of the first times you really see one of those background people getting kind of pulled into the action of an episode so i thought that was cool yeah that's why i had to put it in because i was like whoa we have a name yeah. for somebody that's always around Neat. yeah uh, but we come out of the intro. Uh, Abby agrees coming to the charity uh, agrees to coming to the charity event, saying that nobody should be alone after killing a clown. And I love that Malucci is still like, still freaked out. Like he's he's like, why would you kill the pay or you killed the clown or it's dead or something? Like he's just just freaked out. Uh, Janice, the woman asking about the needle exchange, apparently Mark said she could do the needle swap, and uh, he tells Halle to take care of it. And we see the bishop returning, uh, looking for Luca, who immediately calls him out and is like, I don't <laughs> I don't see a cane. Uh, he's uh, now asking for a prescription for prednisone. So making his making his way around the steroid carousel. And uh, clearly the bishop is trying to avoid his doctor for getting this done. There's some reason why he doesn't want to go to his primary care doctor about this. And we will get into that a little bit later. He has uh, so many excuses for why it's just not a good good time for him to go talk to his PCP about this. Yeah, and not even a particularly like good or coherent 
lie no. either. Like it's he's very clumsy about how he tries to like lie his way through that. Uh, we see Mark working with a Mr. Ramirez, uh, uh, who is insisting on getting antibiotics for a cold, and uh, Mark is refusing. This will be a theme throughout the episode. This is my favorite. It's pretty I, great. I love this. Because I, he's right. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. It's like, I, I really love it when the when somebody in the writer's room clearly has an axe to grind. Like that. <laughs> that's my favorite ER trope is when somebody in, somebody in the writer's room is pissed off about something and wants to make a point and they do it. They choose to do it this way is one of my favorite things. Or, or they asked a doctor friend like, hey, what's, what's bugging you? Yeah, like this is so clearly them like beating America at large over the head with this concept for the next 10 minutes or so because it comes up, you know, three or four times. Like they're clearly trying to get something across to 28 million people that are tuning in. Like stop with the fucking antibiotics, guys. It's a virus, dumbasses. Anyway, but uh, our next patient that Mark helps at, well, helps, air Uh. quotes, uh, deals with is, patient is, air quotes helps yeah, air quotes 85 year old woman uh, who collapsed in her nursing home she is uh she's blue yeah so cyanotic sh- doesn't begin to describe this woman i i tried to be gentle and use the term cyanotic no, for she's, this but this is a podcast she's blue she is a she's, smurf yeah uh she was on home oxygen but her family wanted the yeah uh, the mts to bring her in so and Mark says what? So we could flog her for another hour? Uh yeah, this woman's very dead and he calls time of death without even trying anything because yeah. Of course she's dead. Oh Mark, sweetie. He's the, he's the theme the theme the theme with Mark this episode is Yes, Mark, you're not wrong, but you don't have to be an asshole about it. <laughs> yes. Like yes, there's changes in the system that could be made based off what we're seeing here, but God you're a dick. Of course he is. There's total excuses for why this happens, but sure, he is off his game today. Um, but then from there, we go to Luca telling Abby that the singer she likes is playing at the hotel if, she, if they want to hang out tonight. And she kind of clumsily says, oh, I'm going to Carter for this fundraiser. He asks as a favor, like, just trying to blow it off as not a big deal. And Luca's fine with it. He's like, okay, cool. Right. So begins the, the rivalry that will end in a duel. <laughs> yeah, but um but yeah, no, Lucas totally cool with this here. He's fine. I love it. It's great. Just yeah. okay. He's like, "Yeah, go have fun." Um it's uh it's so He's like, "I understand these were short-term plans. Go for it." Like totally totally not weird about it and I love this. This is how things should be. Communicate with your partners, people. It doesn't have to be all jealousy and possessiveness. Oh my god. I hate it. I'm sorry. Um but then we learned that the bishop's tests came back abnormal. So uh, that's going to be a conversation that has to happen. And Carter is talking with his patient, Jeff, who Nurse Mary handled a little bit earlier about his blood work. He has mono, so uh, he'll bounce back in a few weeks from that. But Jeff mentions he thinks he needs an HIV test because he had unprotected sex with an infected partner. This, this storyline is upsetting. And I hate it so much. <laughs> who plays Jeff, though? Uh, Jeff is played by actor Robert Beitzel, who appeared in stuff like Turn, True Detective, and Inside Amy Schumer. Uh, this is also sort of like a, a different, a slightly, you know, different flavor and different twist. Um, but somebody pointed out in the listener, uh, not, not listener responses, but on, on Discord. Somebody pointed out on Discord, and we sort of, 
as a group kind of collectively confirmed it that like this feels like a really quick turnaround to be basically telling retelling the story that we had last season uh with mark and the hockey player and his abusive spouse or partner spouse where like this is a very different kind of abusive yeah but like yeah obviously there wasn't the hiv component like obviously it's it is a twist on that but it just usually feels like they give a little bit more time for a story to breathe before they will go back and like retell it again you know like i would argue that this is different enough and the only similarity is that they're it's two gay couples sure sure and that's obviously the most obvious uh comparison uh between the two but like it just i don't know it, it clearly stuck out to somebody you know a listener as well like it clearly stuck out to somebody is like we've seen this before and recently and it was only a season ago but but, but hey, yeah how can we make this worse uh, we'll get there yeah uh, but let's go to our first of only two audio clips this episode. Again, weird pacing, everything. Very visual episode. Definitely go watch this one. But our first audio clip here is uh, Luca getting those test results to the bishop. My sugar that bad? 348. Maybe I should go back on the glipizide. Right now you need insulin. There was also protein in your urine. So I ordered an uh, ANA. That's a test for a disease called lupus. I know. I take Plaquenil, 200 milligrams a day. You lied to me? (laughs) I wanted to avoid a debate. I may have harmed you by giving you those steroids. The steroids helped me. I can move around, make visits, do my work. Without them, I'm stuck in bed. The steroids raise your blood sugar so high that the diabetes destroys your body. I need to continue my ministry. You understand? Anyway, thank you for your time. I need to do a complete physical exam. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I got a lot on my plate today. I have to make sure I didn't harm you with my treatment. You owe me that much. And what is it you think I owe you? Bishop, lupus is very serious. It can attack your kidneys, lungs, your heart. I know what it does, Dr. Kovac. I even know I'm going to die from it. Yeah, remember that one time on House where it was lupus? Oh my god, I was just gonna say it. Damn it, damn it, damn it. <laughs> uh, Which reminds me, I have to continue my house rewatch. You have so many different shows. I have too many different shows. Too many different games, too many different shows. I'm at least only reading one book right now. Thank you, I've grown. But, um, but you're reading one book that's actually three books. Yes. <laughs> but still... It's at least in chronological order. It's not like I'm picking but up. But it's in one big book. What do we think about the bishop having lupus and stuff? Uh, like, let's, uh... He should be treated by Mr. House. <laughs> I I really like how Luca's like, dude, I could have gotten, like, I could have killed you with this, essentially. Yeah. Like, I did not consent to treat you without all the facts here. Not what cool. What the fuck, my dude? Mr. Cromwell, sir, <laughs> please. Not cool, holy man. but i do like i do like his point he's like no i knew about this i knew kind of the risks and 
I need my quality of life to do the work I want to do for the time I have left. And there's our kicker for the whole storyline with the bishop. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, he's dying. Yeah. Yeah. About that. Uh, they love to do these fucking stories, uh, too. Like, they love to, to introduce you to somebody who seems on the surface perfectly fine. And then they tell you, like, oh, by the way, they're going to be dead in three episodes. Like, it, they, they love to do yeah. shit like that. Um. But at least it's a really good performances over those. Oh yeah, episodes, it's so. it's really excellent. I mean, I would put. I don't think he again. I. It's one of those things that, like, in a Sally Fieldless world and an Alan Aldoless world, we would talk about James Cromwell's guest run on the show as being one of the the absolute best. And as I'm watching it here now, it's like there is a clear uh, there is a clear separation in my mind of like this is great, but it is not. Sally Field or Alan Alda level great where I'm like engrossed in every single I'm hanging on every word that they're saying like he's awesome he's great I'm I'm enjoying it but like it's it's interesting that I, I'm I am seeing the separation between the two tiers of like there is there's another gear above this that we can go to with a guest star mm-hmm. and that's uh, nothing against James Cromwell no no who's fabulous and has really good chemistry with uh with Luca here too like they're they're yeah. it's a perfect match in for a storyline uh, so, so we really come out of that audio clip right back to the yeah. same two yeah. people. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, a commercial, yeah, it it's commercial. Oh, right, right, right. Commercial. You always yeah. forget about the damn commercial breaks. Uh, but, uh, Luca returns to the Bishop. His EKG looks good. And he's asking him, uh, asking Luca, that is the Bishop, uh, asking Luca about what church he belongs to, which is my least favorite question to be asked by people I have, you know, passing social interactions with. that's such a weird question too because then it's like it opens it up to oh we're different denominations or oh like it just it opens it up to so much not okay stuff even let's say god forbid we were all practicing christians like the the, the, just the mass assumption that like oh of course this person's a christian and of course they go to church what church do you go to there's just so many layers of privilege there that i just uh, like oh this man this man is from croatia that's a catholic country what church do you go to sir yeah as somebody who has been pretty like openly agnostic since my like early twenties, mm-hmm. I've had a lot and and working in a field like personal training where I would spend a lot of one on one time with people, mm-hmm. uh, and growing up in the South, like mm-hmm. I had a lot of conversations with people who were trying to quote unquote save me, and oh. like d- come with me to my church, it's different. No, thank you. Like just politely declining. Like no, thank you. And it's just. A lot of people out there praying for me. Let's put it that way. Uh, one thing, I don't know if I've recommended this on the show before, but this is a great time to, uh, I, I am also relatively atheist agnostic, but I am listening to the podcast Apocrypals right now. And they're going through just the Bible, not in chronological order, but just going through different uh, Bible stories and picking it apart and like just very fun, good mm. conversations about it from uh, I don't even want to say secular because that makes it sound like they're being smug atheists about it, but just from more of a literary perspective than a faith perspective. And it's sure. very interesting, but um, yeah. Tell just, me, tell me though, do they have a segment called whose sins are those? Oh, I need oh, to, re- I, need to um, <laughs> I need to actually tweet them and let them know that could be a great thing to add, but like, Hey, here's a, here's an idea from my podcast that you can borrow. But um, no, really, it's when you think about it, aren't they all Jesus's uh, sins? Yes. According to the new Testament. Yes. Um, we're not getting into that. Yep. Uh, <laughs> cut this, Daniel. Let's just, um, but yeah, it's, 
definitely a fun podcast for all involved. Go listen to it. Um, but yeah, this is this is so not okay. Like, guys, for reference, don't unless you know somebody very well and you are close enough to them, don't ask faith questions. What is it? Religion, politics, and money? Don't just don't don't do it. Yeah, just don't. Not great. And yet we do it openly on mic to however many of you download this each <laughs> month. Oops. Whatever. But there's a there's a, a uh, an exchange involved in that. Like That's you you true. chose to click download. I didn't choose to be asked by fucking That's fair. Betty in the gym what, we are, what church we I'm are, going to. We are volunteering that information willingly. People are not asking about it. Yes, yeah. you are right. What else, Lizzie? Also to chime in officially, I flip between agnostic and atheist. So Cool. We got three for three. Cool. What happens next? Uh, our other sad through line throughout this episode, a uh, kid with bad congestive heart failure pulls Luca away from the bishop. Uh, 16, his name is Nick. And who plays Nick here? Very recognizable face. Yes, he is. Nick is played by actor Josh Peck. Well, he may not be as recognizable these days. <laughs> you know, he's that much, is very true. much different these days than he is in this episode. And, and, all throughout his career as a child actor, but uh, maybe the child actor of the early aughts. Like, I would say, like, dude was in a lot of stuff. Granted, he was part of the Nickelodeon machine, uh, or, or, or was that Disney Channel? I can't remember. That's uh, no, Nickelodeon. That was Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. He's, he's part of that whole machine and, like, was just, you know, very omnipresent. But Nick is played by actor Josh Peck, who appeared in stuff like Mean Creek, the remake of Red Dawn. Uh, and the Nickelodeon TV series Drake and Josh. He is, if you're keeping score at home, the half of that show that wasn't arrested for soliciting minors. Uh, so yeah, he's the glad, he's the we got this person better of the, the two. I love how so like he also seems to be going through something of like a career renaissance now. Like he's kind of become TikTok totally. famous a little bit, and yeah. I've seen him making the rounds on like he has a really successful YouTube channel. Um, one of my favorite YouTube channels uh, just did an episode with him recently, and he seems like a very cool. like well-adjusted guy and like really positive and and seems to be in a really good place in his life at this point. But I do appreciate the lengths that he has gone to to be like. Not only do I not talk to that guy now, we never talked when we were kids when we weren't on screen together. Like he goes to like great lengths to distance himself from Drake Bell and is just like, nope, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy now. Fuck that guy when I was 12. Like, I want nothing to do with him. Like, we were never close. So it's just very uh, it's interesting how uh, how those dynamics change. You know, not every show was ER where everybody was friends and everybody hung out and, like, had a good time. Sometimes shows were really fucking toxic and gross. And hopefully he has better facial hair now than he does in this episode. Uh, well, he, yeah. t- he talks about why it's like that. So. Yeah. No, he's it, really – yeah, like, so, you know, obviously in this episode he's uh, – very overweight and uh you know that plays into his character's you know motivations and stuff and and that was sort of his trademark thing at this time like it was he was the the funny fat kid basically was sort of his his calling card um and he has uh lost a tremendous amount of weight now and is like very fit very in shape to the point where i was watching a video the other day and apparently he was you know this plus like millions of dollars was part of the motivation for Chris Hemsworth to get in shape for Thor. <laughs> like I was watching a thing with a personal trainer who uh, trains all the Marvel guys for the, the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about Chris Hemsworth and he was like, we were standing in the gym one day talking and he was like, 
yeah, I need to get in shape for this role and everything. And he's like, he's like, and I want to be like that. Like, he's like, I want to look like that guy. And he's like, he points to somebody. And then they, you know, in the video, they show like who he was talking about. And it's Josh Peck who like had gotten himself in really good shape and was like really, you know, making something of himself. So it was just like, it's really interesting how that those things work out. The other, the other big transformation like that is Matthew Lewis, uh, Neville Longbottom. Very similar. I mean, he had already started doing that by the end of the Harry Potter movies. So like, just saying. Puberty did a just, number on that boy. Yeah, but um, but tell us more about Nick. So now, now I'm just distracted by thinking of Josh Peck as Thor. Um, <laughs> but Nick here has a giant scar down his chest. Uh, he needs a heart transplant. He has already had, I think it only we only know about Wait. Yeah. one at this point yeah we talk about the other ones later but yeah but he will he has definitely had a heart at least a heart transplant um so they need the transplant team down here and he needs a bed in the picu and but nick does not want any another transplant he does not want to go through the pain and everything about all this over again very very depressed young man mm-hmm. yes understandably so yes um, and I just want to say right now, his performance this episode is great. I love yeah. him. He mm-hmm. doesn't, he doesn't get a ton of time, but what he does, I, I love him. And there's one shot in particular, um, later on that I hope I remember to talk about, but just so good. Uh, but then from there we go over to Mark is challenging Malucci about giving a woman antibiotics when she doesn't need them. And he was, and Malucci's like, well, she was really pressing me for him, real high flyer, like, doesn't isn't gonna take no for an answer and mark's like all right let's you gotta tell her no do we gotta break this cycle so we'll come back to that um yeah totally correct Mm -hmm. yeah and we have carter updating carrie on his charts before he leaves for the night and um he says oh and i have this one patient jeff you know like he needs tact we need to be very sensitive with how we handle this and carrie's like oh malucci can be tactful and Carter's like Malucci, you gotta you gotta be not you for this, essentially. Like, don't be a douche. And um, as he's getting ready to head out, Luca asks Carter about the fundraiser and foundation and like what the event is for. So they have a polite little chat. I love too in the little exchange between uh, Mark and Malucci. It, there's also the brief little bit of dialogue that that clues you in that this isn't always just a patient problem either. Like this, right. the the other side of it is the doctor side of the equation where. Malucci says at one point, yeah, but it's just easier to write the prescription. Like, right. and Mark is like, just because it's easy doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Like, and so there's a little bit of dialogue that lets you know that, like, this isn't just patients being, uh, you know, overzealous and requesting uh, antibiotics for every little sniffle. The doctors are just as culpable for this, too, of being mm-hmm. lazy and being just like, yeah, fuck it. Here, here's your, you know, Z pack. Get out of my face. Get off, get off my back. Get off my charts. Yeah. Like. So, good writing. Uh, but uh, Malucci comes in to talk to Jeff. And okay, before we get into the upsetting aspects of this storyline, oh, I would li- I would like to point out though that we were just saying I think last episode how we never get to do anything good with Malucci anymore. Boom. And we find uh, like very next episode, like we actually get something like worthwhile to like dig into with Malucci. So I just wanted to give credit where credit is due there of like Absolutely. not not a complete and total wasteland season seven for Malucci. Um so Jeff's partner Sean is in the room now and insists on staying while they discuss uh the results of Jeff's tests. Uh his most recent HIV test also came back negative. 
Uh, both Jeff and Sean look suspiciously upset about it. Uh, we learn that Sean is HIV positive and that Jeff is, quote, air quotes, trying to catch HIV, which Malucci terms, which I have no idea if this is a real term or not, but uh, Malucci uh, coins the term bug chaser, which, again, I I don't know if that's a real term. It's sort of like crispy critters, like when they bring in bird victims. It's like part of me hopes that that's not a real term and that's not a real you know, thing because it just seems insensitive, but at the same time, I would not be surprised if it's real. It's real. Okay, great. I, is it like a is it like a slur or is it? It's, like... it there's there's like actual academic articles about it. Yeah, it's there's a whole Wikipedia article about it. It's Interesting. A, it's a thing. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So I mean, I, I'll be perfectly honest. I mean, as some you know, somebody with very limited personal experience with HIV, even knowing anybody who's dealing with HIV, like. This whole, the whole conceit of this storyline is kind of strange to me. And like, I, it, I'm not denying that it exists. Like I'm not denying that this phenomenon exists. Clearly it must exist to a degree that they felt, they felt validated to write a whole story about it. But like, just the idea of like trying to catch HIV on purpose seems foreign to me like i just can't wrap my mind around it but it just seems horrifying yeah like it just seems really bizarre especially at this time too like 2001 like they're just just starting to round the corner on like getting a handle on hiv and like you're just getting the life-saving and life-prolonging meds yeah like we're just starting to kind of break through the 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 clouds a little bit on that and it's for some reason i just it's this one didn't this one set weird with me uh, but, uh, Sean here is played by actor, um, well, oh, before we get to that, Malucci is trying to talk some sense into Jeff about how all of this is potential suicide, which he's right. Uh, yep. that's, that's exactly what it is. Just because there are medications to treat it doesn't mean, doesn't mean you should your be, particular body will react to them right. in the best way possible. And it doesn't mean you should be actively seeking to try to get on these medications. It just, uh. Upsetting is the word. Uh, but Sean here, uh, the partner, he is played by actor Noah Blake, who appears in one of our favorite movies, Mystery Men, uh, Red Rooms, and uh, Disney Channel uh, favorite back in the uh, late 90s, early aughts, around this time, uh, Teen Witch, uh, which I think is originally an 80s movie, but was in heavy, heavy rotation around this time on Disney Channel. Well, we go back to the Bishop now, showing some EKG changes. Uh Luca describes it as a friction rub around your heart. So basically meeting that since he's been having intermittent chest pain, he could, along with that, he could have fluid around his heart and be a risk for a heart attack. So Luca wants to observe him in the cardiac unit, but the bishop is adamantly refusing to be admitted because uh, he does not want to die in the hospital. So which like, I got shit to do. Yeah, which <laughs> understandable. Yeah. Even if you weren't a bishop and trying to spread the good word, it's understandable. Yeah. he. This is where he lashes out at Luca a little bit. He's like, nope. <laughs> no, thank you. Bye. Um, but then Nick's parents arrive and ask why only a nurse is with him. Um, and we learn that he's already had two heart transplants, one at four years old and one at 10. And he's still very weak after an angioplasty last year. And Luca's like, are you aware that he doesn't want another one? Like, he told me this. Are you aware of this? And the mom just goes, oh, he says that when he's depressed. Like, mm, mm, mm. Way to invalidate your child's feelings here and, like, not even 
listen to what he's telling you. And of course they want him on the transplant list. Like they're like, no, please, please. Not even a conversation. Not even a conversation. Please get him on. Like, let's get this taken care of. Hmm. Can we, can we at least give a little bit of brownie points and a little bit of credit to the writers too, for not writing in a scene at any point in this episode, not writing in a scene where they discuss the fact that maybe his heart is failing because he's overweight. They Thank never you. once yep. bring that up. Like they never, they really don't address his weight at all. Like it's not a, it's not really a component of this storyline. It's more like, about the depression they, and the side they, effects. They mention it more as a side effect of yeah. the weak heart sure. rather than the weak heart because he's overweight. Yeah, like he can't move around because yeah. he so has. Tired. But so it would, weak. it would be such a like lazy writing thing to immediately because they, you know, we we've taken him to task for it in the past like they love to go down that that road and you know fat shame whenever possible we we haven't had a fat shamey episode in a while actually i'm very proud yeah, of them but. but but this one would have been ripe for that mm, you know especially I, especially with the, the the twofer of like you know not just obesity but childhood obesity like they could have really like gotten up on a soapbox here and, and made a point and uh they chose not to so they, they chose to fight the good fight on this episode and just go with the antibiotic resistance uh soapbox and not the childhood obesity one. Uh, good soapbox. Right. I'll shut up about it now. Uh, Mom and dad here. Mom <laughs> is played by Janine Jackson, who appears in stuff like Gone, Election, and one of Lauren's problematic fave. That is a, not problematic fave, but I just don't know. I just don't know what else to call uh, weird witch movies. Uh, the Have craft. I ever mentioned? I don't know if I've ever mentioned liking The Craft. I think I've seen that movie like once. Oh, maybe I'm thinking. Oh, I'm thinking of the other. Uh, what's the one with Luca in it? Practical matter. That's the one I'm thinking of. I'm sorry. I mixed up my my weird Like, I understand this is movies. exactly this is exactly my brand of potential trash. I get it. Like, it could very well be one of mine, but I think I've seen The Craft maybe once or twice in my life. So, Mix, weirdly enough, it's not on my list. Mixed up my spooky. Yeah. Uh, the Craft is kind of, eh. <laughs> uh, won't put it on the Plex for <laughs> But we all still have to watch Practical Magic for a uh, movie review. Yes, we do. Uh, and uh, dad here is played by actor David Naughton, who appeared in stuff like An American Werewolf in Paris and the humorously titled Hot Dog, the movie. Don't know what that is, uh, but title has me intrigued. I'll say that much. It, I'm, I'm sure it's better than Sausage Party. Oh, <laughs> God, that movie was dreadful. Uh, Just dreadful. Like, not even good for, like, a Sunday morning on the couch watch. Like, just... No, just paid no, no redeeming quality paid whatsoever. no money for it and still felt like I was ripped off because you lost hot, precious time in your life to it. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's the reason why I don't want to watch movies now. Like, I, cause I watched, <laughs> I watched that. I watched like 70% of that movie and I was like, you know what? I think I'm good. I don't think I need to watch anything else ever again. Uh, yeah, we go from there. Cleo's flu patient wants to see someone higher up because she's being denied antibiotics. Uh, so Mark gets to come over and play the heavy to deny her and explain why she can't. He does go through the trouble to explain why she can't have the antibiotics. Uh, but she does not accept that as an answer, says that it's because she's poor slash has no insurance, uh, which probably would be a common refrain in, in a debate like this between doctor and patient. And so he brings her and Cleo along to make a uh, a widespread announcement to chairs uh, that if they have flu-like symptoms, uh, sore throat, cough, fever, chills, that kind of thing, uh, and they're here to be seen, they are not going to be getting antibiotics. So that they should take that into consideration uh, before they consider whether or not they're going to wait. And uh, Cleo tries to like object, and she's like, "Isn't that an Imtala violation?" He's like, 
no, I didn't discharge anybody. Like I never saw them. Like they just decided to leave. So they never had charts. Mark has had enough. So yeah, I just, I I love this whole soapbox that they have chosen to, uh, to stand on this episode. And I, I love the way that they're weaving it into Mark's uh, behavioral storyline. That's kind of ongoing. I just big, big fan of all that. This is something where the only reason it would be complicated today with something like this is because some people have to go in to get COVID tests. Right. If they don't have insurance. Like, that would be the only reason to, like, I was just thinking about this and I was like, God, I wish doctors would do this today, like, just in general, Mm -hmm. because I'm somebody who would never go to the ER or anything for a flu. Or snip. I was going to say the flu, but sniffles especially. But so, to have something like this it's like yeah of course of course this is the great answer but now it's like oh shit now we got covid right how does that things things have changed slightly with that i i didn't go to the er but i did i had the flu about a decade ago and Mm -hmm. um it was over it was over new year's and yeah i I went through a weird i don't know if i've ever told the story on mike before but i went through a weird stretch in college where i would get like deathly ill on new year's like four years in a row like oh, i had that's me on my birthday i had yeah lizzie has I'm really wondering what's gonna happen this i year. had nothing it'll be fine food poisoning one year i had uh double ear infections another year i had the flu like it was just like every everything up to but not including polio like just checked all the boxes but so you went to the doctor for and that so flu. yeah so i i um i was supposed to go to a new year's party with uh jake uh, Jake Gerald Esquire. I was supposed to go to a, a New Year's party with him, and I uh, was just not fe- not feeling good. Hadn't been feeling good for a day or so, and like finally had to cancel on him. And was like, "Yeah, I just don't think it's gonna work out. Not feeling great." But I was just like determined to ride it out. And mm-hmm. by the like by nine ten o'clock, it was clear that I was like something was desperately wrong and like I was like I was sicker than I had ever been and my neighbor at the time I was living alone my neighbor at the time uh, this is before Jen and I started dating uh, my neighbor at the time convinced me she was like you should probably go get at least checked out she's like it seems like you have a really bad fever like you should just go get checked out and so she drove me to urgent care uh, because I didn't have insurance at the time and uh, she drove me to urgent care and the doc was very cool like he was very like he didn't like you know shit on me for like being a wuss and coming in with mm-hmm. flu-like symptoms but he was he, he was very honest with me and he was like i could flu test you right now he's like you'll come up positive um <laughs> he was he was like and there's not really anything i can do for you like he was like i can give you i forget what the stuff is called it's like tama tamiflu or like it's yeah. i always get it confused with theraflu but i think it's called tamiflu he's like i can give you this stuff he's like but it, the best case scenario is you'll feel better 24 hours sooner than you would have felt otherwise right. he's like really just go home you know stay hydrated and ride it out and and i did and it was it all ended up fine i lost like 15 pounds over the course of a weekend like Ugh. it was yeah just sweating and when like, when the fever finally broke i was wearing two pairs of sweatpants long sleeve shirt and two hoodies. And I, cause I was like, my temperature regulation was all over the place. I'd be like freezing cold one minute, boiling hot the next. And I remember I woke up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. And when I went into the bathroom and flicked on the light, the fever had broken and the outermost hoodie, uh, that I was wearing, keep in mind, long sleeve shirt, two pairs of sweatpants, two hoodies, the outermost hoodie, you could wring the sweat out of it. Like you could just like squeeze it and, and produce liquid. 
it was so like saturated yeah it was disgusting so well with that beautiful visual in mind let me take this moment to remind people it's flu shot yeah season. get your get your Please. fucking flu shots people it's... go to your local pharmacy walgreens cvs your local health clinic whatever yeah get a fucking flu shot i think i and, and also booster. and also get also your updated covid booster they have a new form they have a new formula on the being distributed now that's more effective against the, the uh, newer variants that are going around that make up about like 90% of the cases or something, I believe is what I read, yeah. um, in the, of new COVID cases in the United States. Please, go get another COVID get booster. Get your shots, people. It's, I got one. I got mine a couple days ago. It was only one day of me feeling punky, and it wasn't even that as bad as the second shot or the first booster. See? It was just me complaining like a baby. Get your shots. Get people. some get get some Gatorade and get some crackers. Just ride out the day. Do your part for public health. Amen. This ends my soapbox. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so my my uh, my experience with the flu aside, uh, we get back into the episode with Romano yelling at uh, Green for giving free needles to uh, you know parlance of the time junkies uh and says if you want to start a needle exchange do it from your house and i'm again a we've we've burned off all of the goodwill i built up with romano from last episode where i was giving him credit for like uh little creaks and 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 glimpses into the humanity that's all gone now um but also too i'm really surprised how blind romano is to what's going on with green in this episode he Mm -hmm. he does notice here he does notice because he talks to Carrie about it. Yeah, well, yeah, so he talks to Carrie about it, but it's in a like annoyed. He he, he talks yeah, to Carrie about yeah. it in a complaining sort of way, not in a we should be concerned about him kind of way. Because yeah, Mark Mark forgets the word hepatitis or something when right. when they're talking. Um, but yeah, from there we go over to Abby getting ready to go to the fundraiser with one of my favorite songs. From, from this era for background music. I knew the minute it started playing, I was like, Daniel's going to fucking hate this. <laughs> it's um, just so uniquely I, 2001. Like, What is that song It's, it's uh Oh my God. Hanging by a Moment by, I think, Lighthouse? Lifehouse. Yeah. Not even Lighthouse. Life. No, no Lighthouse. I didn't enunciate Lighthouse. No, I think it's I think life. it is Lifehouse. I think I think Lizzie's right. I think it is Lifehouse. Yeah. Now, now I got to That's what makes it extra annoying because it's not even an actual <laughs> real thing. It's just one of the like. It's one of those songs. Well, fuck, you're right. It's one of those songs that I call the way the same way I have like Jiffy Lube shows. This is uh one of those songs that I call like I... a haircuttery song. This is the song that you <laughs> hear over the radio when you're getting your haircut. This and everything you want, I was obsessed with. They were my absolute like inconsolable middle school crush songs. I love this song so much. It will always have such and an both, awful and place both in my like, heart. And both like not to like go back to what we were talking about earlier but but like both slightly quasi christian adjacent like both both are like kind of talking about jesus and not your crush in sixth grade and it's like uh, but they're still great and i love them uh not quite as not quite as uh on the nose with it as switchfoot or or or, uh reliant k yes but um, anyway, going back to this, uh, Carter shows up and she freaks out because he's in a tux and she didn't realize just how formal this event was. So she's in a very nice, like, black blazer, white collar. Like, she looks great. Yeah. She looks fantastic, but she's like, fuck, I gotta change. So she has to go run into her closet and find a dress. And Nick and Luca are chatting again. He's pissed because he told Luca that he'd want another surgery. and But Luca 
It's like, you won't survive without another transplant. And Nick is like, I was hoping to make him to my prom, but if I can't, I can't. Kid is just... Done. Done. Side effects and fatigue are not worth it at all to him. And I go out, briefly head outside where Corday is talking to the parents. And apparently he's at, he's at his status 1A at the top of the donor list. And Lucas tries to stand up for Nick, not wanting a new heart, but immediately gets smacked the fuck down by the parents. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, we're not even having this discussion. Like, he'll, he'll feel better once once he's got a new one or whatever. Like, just, no. Oh, boy. But then we go to Romano, the aforementioned conversation between Romano and Carrie. Romano uh, going to her about Mark's behavior. But again, in the context of, like, bitching about it. Like, he's not really right. like, oh, we should be concerned. He's just like, I'm annoyed by this. Uh, he's acting out of line. Right. And I love Carrie's, like, sort of dismissive attitude towards Romano here. Where she's like, You're, you should be used to confrontation. He's like, we're not talking about me. Isn't that your favorite subject? Which is great just a tier comeback there carrie love it absolutely i i I had to get that just because i was like oh it's so perfect and i'm just we're gonna keep saying this until it's out but that the paul mccrane interview i just every time he's on screen now i'm just like a little spice. <laughs> little, little, little I love, spice. I love his, so I, I just finished editing this interview last night, so it's fresh in my mind, but like, I love his description of the job. Mm-hmm. Like we've, we've heard a lot of people who have said like, Oh, ER was the greatest job I ever had. Or ER, ER was my favorite job I've ever had. And like, whatever. I love his description of it where he was like, I, I would work anywhere from like two to four days a week on an episode, like at the mm-hmm. most, He's like, he's like, and I never once had a scene that had anything to do with the plot. (laughs) Like, like, I just showed up, was kind of an asshole and then left. And that's all I had to do. And he's like, it was the best job I've ever had and ever will have. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm so excited for everybody to hear that. It's so good. But, um, then from there we go over to Carter is waiting in Abby's apartment for Abby to get changed. And of course, he can see her changing in the mirror from her open door because, of course, she doesn't realize her door opened again. So, oh, my God, he tries not to look super awkward. Blah, I mean, blah, would blah. you not want to see more, tear- more no, tyranny in her bra? I wouldn't because she doesn't know I'm looking. That's fair. It's not. No. So I wouldn't. Saying in general, though. She's very pretty, but no, like, <laughs> just no. Meh. It's not cute. It's creepy. But it is, it but, is um, emblematic of the kind of, like, passive uh, boundary intrusion that is so common in pop culture, especially around this mm-hmm. time that like yeah. they kind of normalize that behavior a little bit where mm-hmm. it's just over oh, and absolutely. over again, that kind of voyeuristic behavior. Yeah, no, not okay. But he, as, as she's getting ready, he takes out some dead like dried flowers from a vase and goes to put in some new ones that he bought for there because he's like, I don't understand why people like dried flowers, blah, 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 blah. And she says, oh, I really love them because they're, they're dead and they're you know super super dark and sad there's something dark and sad about them to which uh <laughs> daniel do you want to take this? my favorite line of the episode which i had a moment all alone by myself as i was watching this but carter says to her you like dark and sad and i was like explains luca burr, burr, burr. <laughs> yep Oh, but yeah, so like he's just super awkward with these flowers he bought against the dead ones. And he's like, oh, well, blah, blah, blah. So he um, he puts the the new ones that he bought on a shelf and he says, oh, well, those will be dried in a couple days for you then. Cool. 
but she found a really pretty bridesmaid's dress to wear, and she is super shocked that they are going in a limo. I'm, I'm going to keep saying it. Like, I'm going to keep saying it every time this comes up. Like, there's really excellent friend chemistry here that if you just mm-hmm. delete all of the, like, romantic aspects of their interactions over the next several seasons, there's a really solid friendship here. Like, there's a really excellent friendship dynamic, and for whatever reason, they just try to force more out of it, wring more out of it. If, if Carter could just respect boundaries. Yeah. There's just, there's really, especially here and when they arrive at the event, like there's really good friendship chemistry there, but it's just kind of, they they try to do a little too much. Now we go over to uh, Mark chatting with Corday. Uh, she comments that his surgical cap is missing. Did we make note of this? No, he when he ripped it off in frustration. Yeah. No. All right. Uh, well, his scar apparently has seemed to move further forward on his head. Is that just a... I, yeah, I couldn't tell or not. It looked like it had maybe moved a little bit here, but... It's definitely it's definitely been pointed out before that it's going to move around and eventually just disappear. So, you know. Just straight up disappear. Yeah. It's not how scars work. Uh, but they talk about wedding plans shifting around, and he blanks out on a word in front of her, but she reassures him, says that the aphasia is fading, should be gone in a couple weeks, and he's like, you don't know that. It's like, But she's like... You know I'm right, though. Oh, boy, boy, boy. Um, we we go back. Nick has arrested. Oh, no. Uh, Lizzie and Luca run in to assist, and the parents need to be dragged out of that trauma room. They should not be standing there while uh, the doctors are trying to get Nick stable. They managed to get him a weak pulse, but he is not waking up or responding to stimuli. Oh, Nick. Not great. Not great. Poor kid. Then we go to Carter and Abby in the limo on their way to the fundraiser. They talk about how Luca doesn't get jealous, uh, which at this point, what does he have to be jealous about? Uh, (laughs) It's very awkward. The whole scene is very awkward. I would, however, like to point out the excellent 2001 limo VCR, (laughs) which is like perfectly framed right in between uh, Carter and Abby's heads. Like... The highest luxury. right only the oh, finest yeah. for the carter family the limo vcr there's i'm sure i'm sure it's so fancy that it's a betamax uh i'm pretty sure it was definitely vcr because i assume i, I know, assume I know, underneath one of those seats there has to be a collection of clamshell vhs disney movies like but see my question here is why isn't it a laser disc player well you know you don't want to by two by this time i think it would have been 2001 yeah. i don't know I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. It, it, it's questionable. But, uh, yeah, I just could not let that go by without pointing that out. This excellent, excellent VCR representation. Uh, she Abby mentions that she's never been to the Natural History Museum uh, when Lizzie has a point on this. It's the Field Museum. Like, I, like, even if you just Google Chicago Natural History Museum, it just like, oh, you mean the Field Museum, which is right next to Soldier Field and right on the – Museum, beautiful museum campus, and right near the South Loop has a. Uh, you have the Field Museum, you have the Aquarium, Shed Aquarium, and uh, Adler Planetarium. That's what it's called. There you go. Very, very fun set of. You can make a very fun day of the all three museums if you want. I've never been to the Planetarium. Oh, it's my favorite. How have you not dragged <laughs> me there yet? Because it's kind of annoying to get to. Still. I suppose if we just, yeah, I suppose we could just take the 146 down and walk a bit, but hmm. yeah, ex- all accessible via CTA, so <laughs> plan your trips accordingly. Just don't come on, just don't go down there on a 
Chicago Bears game day because you will not be able to get in. Eight. Or at least you will not be able to get in anytime soon. Mm. As somebody who briefly considered before I before I remembered we were recording today, as somebody who uh, briefly considered going to the Twins game today, uh, before remembering that it is also the Vikings' home opener, uh, was like, mm. no thanks, I'm good. <laughs> Are those stadiums close? To uh, within like three light rail stops of one another. Oh. so like they're they're at yeah. like they're at like one end each of downtown, and so like if you're gonna if you're trying and and the Twin Stadium is farther than the so you have to get through the oh, Viking Stadium yeah. to get to the Twin Stadium. So no thanks, Yikes. I'm good. I can see the Twins some other day. Uh, but uh, Abby, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Abby seems concerned that uh, this is going to turn into a, a bigger deal than what she signed up for. And Carter does mention that it's, quote, kind of a scene. So we'll check in on them in just a little bit. And we go back to Jeff. He's packing up to leave. And Malucci, being being a decent, decent person here, uh, tells him that he's definitely HIV negative and Sean's getting in the car. Uh, Jeff and Sean have been together for almost a year, and Malucci is like almost pleading with him. Mm-hmm. It's like you're safe right now, but you have to protect yourself. And Jeff replies that I don't want to treat Sean like he's contaminated, and if we use a condom, that's how he feels. I cannot, in any realm of possibility, begin to know what the thought process of, is of a person who has HIV mm-hmm. or is has an HIV positive partner cannot begin to but just there's something about that just uh, like like we've said unsettling mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and jeff is only 23 and but malucci says if you know if he really if he loves you he should want you to stay healthy yes yeah thank you uh, we find out that sean has been pressuring jeff but jeff doesn't have anybody else mm. so probably some family fallout there it's a storyline that like were it told you know even like five six seven years earlier i maybe could understand it a little bit more because there was still that sort of like that resignation surrounding hiv and aids where it was like it's gonna happen regardless like in that community like they were just sort of resigned to the fact that they if they didn't have it it was it was just it was those who had it and those who didn't have it yet kind of attitude and especially mm-hmm. in a committed relationship like this when one partner is infected but the other is not i'm sure there's an even heightened sense of you know i mean Je- on a much smaller scale jen and i went through that with the covid stuff where it was like once i tested positive we figured it was only inevitable and only a matter of time before she also tested positive somehow we managed to make it through that entire experience with that not happening but i'm sure that that had to be in the thought in the back of people's minds in committed relationships in the early days of AIDS, when one partner got it and the other one didn't, it was like, well, inevitably this is going to happen. Like we might as well just maybe get it over. Maybe that's the attitude. Like we'll just get it over with and like manage it together. It's just, I don't know. It's this whole storyline is so hard to wrap your mind around. If you're not in that situation and not faced with those choices and faced with those realities listeners as always if you have feedback or more context to this that you feel like sharing please let us know and we will add it to the corrections department at a later episode because yes, please we, correct us if we need to be yeah yeah like give us give us insight if there's something glaring we're missing here because like we said this is this is something so out of our realm of experience yeah. so please correct us if we're wrong but yeah then we go over to abby and carter are gonna go greet grandpa carter 
And I love that he refers to Carter as Johnny. That just killed me. I don't know why. It just made me laugh. Um, They say, we find out Gamma is somewhere else socializing with the keynote speaker. So they're going to maybe go talk to Gamma. But first, Carter asks Abby if she wants to dance. And I hate to say it. I hate to say it. Carter can be charming when he wants. This was a very sweet dance sequence. And Abby does a great... um, Great little cute story about her spring formal and how she went with one boy and then left with another who offered her a cigarette that she actually had a crush on and just very... Oh, just... Yes, Carter's not without game. Yes. Yeah. He, can, he, can be, uh, he can be good boy Carter when he wants to be. Yes, I, I love this little dance with the, the two of them. So good. Uh, but the uh, most significant thing about this scene is by Gampa Carter. Uh, All right, we'll, bye. We will okay. never be seeing uh, Grandpa Carter again, and I can't remember if we get like a verbal mention of his like passing eventually or not. But uh, all I know is at the end of the series, he said, Carter says that he's rolling over in his grave. Yeah, when Car- Carter does what he does at the end of the series, yeah. so he's he's for sure done with on-screen appearances. I'm not sure about uh, any verbal mentions of him going forward, but this is definitely the last time we'll see him on screen. Let's go to our second and final audio clip of the episode. Uh, Luca is back with the bishop. I didn't forget you. Your CPK is normal. I watched you work on that boy. Yeah. You'll be going for your echo soon. It was remarkable. You brought him back to life. Yes. It won't do much good if he doesn't have the surgery. Can't find him a heart. He doesn't want one. But he's so young. They're bound to be medical advancements. He's got to fight. One could say the same to you, Bishop. I am fighting. Are you? You say he should prolong his life, but you want to hasten your death? I'm not looking forward to dying, Dr. Kovach. But I also don't want to be enfeebled or bedridden. I only wish I was as brave as he is. I think you've been more than brave. Have I? I wanted to set a good example. Serve my parish. Do God's work as long as I was able. And then go to glory. With a modicum of grace. There are times when I'm alone, prayer, or trying to get to sleep. When it just overwhelms me. I should never feel the way I do sometimes. How's that? Frightened. That'll do, Bishop. That'll do. See, it's funny because it's the guy from Babe. See, it all comes together. It all comes, revolves around pigs. (laughs) Jesus Christ, you're both grounded. Um, (laughs) He brought brought it up. Yeah, but he was just doing a cute Babe reference. Uh, James Cromwell. What a lovely, lovely, lovely man. I I, I do love Lucas. Aha! (laughs) Hit him with the Uno reverse. (laughs) <laughs> but bishop though, put a pin in that though because bishop's gonna get him back by the end of the episode mm-hmm. like he's mm-hmm. 
<laughs> somebody call an ambulance, but not for me. Like that's going to be the bishop by the end of the episode. I, I do love that. No one should have to feel the way I feel. Yeah. It's, it's very good. Very reminiscent. Uh, not, not the same flavor and not the same like intensity and soul destroying, uh, quality but very reminiscent of alan alda's piece of wild things Mm -hmm. uh monologue just i mm. just love that i just love luca and the bishop so much together i just need we just need a whole spinoff series of just the the wacky adventures of luca it wouldn't be wacky adventures it would just be the two of them moping at each other inspirationally (laughs) i'm still here for it that's the wacky adventures that's the closed that's the closed captions on this uh exchange between the two of them mopes inspirationally (laughs) (laughs) but <laughs> well, like i love it i'm here for it but that is not wacky adventures my dear discusses mortality mo- woefully mortality and faith oh boy so yeah uh what more can you say besides this is really good like and it's gonna get better yeah. like there's even more good stuff to yeah. come with them so i'm i'm so excited about next that. episode is one is probably my favorite part of the storyline just yeah because of just how good it is but uh, we we wrap things up uh, with uh, the two boys who are not wrapping things up, Je- uh, Jeff and Sean. Good God, <laughs> I saw an opportunity and I Daniel. couldn't miss it. Daniel, uh, Jeff is leaving with Sean. Uh, Malucci asks if uh, he's going to protect himself from now on and does it in front of Sean. So, like, clearly making a point here. And this is, you know, both, uh, you know, I, I kind of gave the flowers to the writers at the beginning of the episode about finally giving something Malucci worthwhile to do and a, a, a worthwhile cause, you know, to champion this episode. But it is just all the more frustrating as we're getting to the end of it now. Of like, why? Clearly, there is some nuance to the character of Malucci that for some reason, by and large, this season, they have reduced him to the giggling idiot in the corner. He's just the, the fuck boy. Yeah, he's yeah. just purely the fuck boy this season. And, like, there is clearly some depth and nuance to this character that is just, for whatever reason, not going to be explored to a great degree. And I'm I'm really sad about that because there, there's a there's – a, I know I say this a lot, but, like, there's an alternate timeline here where Malucci on his own – I know we, we've said – I know I've said in the past that, like, they, they kind of replaced Clooney in the aggregate. Like, they just split him up over three people and tried to, like, make it up in the uh, – you know – between the three of them. But there's an alternate timeline here where Malucci on his own could be a competent Doug replacement in the show's kind of hierarchy of characters. Like you could have, you could have done the same sort of growth development arc that you did with Doug between seasons one and five with Malucci. If you'd have just stuck with it, but for some reason they lost interest in him about halfway through and just like said, fuck it, let's do other things. And I don't know. It's just disappointing. We love this show, but it's not perfect. No, it's not. It's not. And that's why it's fun to dig into. Like, fun to, fun to see these little missed opportunities here where it's like, there's a there's a really interesting thread here. Run with it. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Uh, but uh, we go from there. EMT's call on the radio about a 65-year-old collapsed in his bathroom. And Mark is happens to be by the desk and essentially takes over from Hale and is just like, just give up. And just pronounce him dead. Like, Mark is big, like, 4.30 on a Friday energy and is like, don't call me. Like, don't don't bring that shit in here, man. Don't bring this bullshit in here <laughs> on this, the day of my daughter's wedding. Like, don't bring this in here. I'm not going to deal with this. And uh, Halei is super pissed about this and is just like, I don't know why all this was necessary. Like, I don't know why you're doing this. And Carrie does chi- helpfully chime in from the background and is like, technically, he can do that. Like, 
you know, it's technically yeah. with, within so his Mark purview. is right, but he's an asshole. Right. That's the, that's the, he's right, yeah, but he's that's not. the thesis of this whole episode is the big Lebowski quote. It's like, you're not wrong, Walter. You're just an asshole. <laughs> Thank you. I couldn't think of, think of it. You got that. Oh boy. Uh, and then we, no, Daniel got there. I just checked. Okay. In. Then we see the Bishop's personal physician showing up. Finally, Dr. Frost, who I could not have been more excited to see this man show up because this is something that is so fucking niche to me that like it's gonna fucking annoy everyone who's listening to it uh sorry as indulge me here jake i by the end of this jake is gonna be like pounding his fist on the table because he's so tired of hearing me talk about this um dr frost here the the bishop's personal physician is played by actor sean g griffin who appeared in uh stuff like the movie the book of stars and the tv series titus very underrated uh late 90s early aughts uh sitcom um i need to rewatch it the where do you find it is my question <laughs> like exactly i don't know how but i will uh it. but he made a more uh sort of lucrative career out of appearing in fmv video games <laughs> Um, and two of which, uh, one of which is very special to me, but, uh, two examples of which include Star Trek Bridge Commander and the delightfully mid nineties trash X-Files game on both PS1 and, uh, PC. And this game is a fucking nightmare. Don't try to play it. It's bad, <laughs> but it was part of that like mid nineties, uh, fad of the future of games is just live action scenes being played out in front of you and you make choices to direct the action as the player and uh it's a fucking mess it's terrible i still like want to play it like twice a year and may have looked into trying to get a way to emulate it for the tpc youtube channel during the pandemic like i was like determined to try to play this game again uh but he plays one of the um what do you call it? Like, uh, agents. No, but yeah, but like agents in charge, I guess. Like he plays one of the bosses in that game that you go to periodically and you're like, Hey man, I need to like talk to you about this thing, blah, 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 whatever. And it's just told through a series of canned responses. And, uh, it's a terrible game, but I was so excited when I saw him pop up that I was like, I've never seen this guy in anything other than this game. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was a, it was a happy little moment for me. So thanks for everybody for indulging me in that. Sorry, I'm just, I'm actually like looking up to see where you can actually find Titus, but but why? Because I'm curious. I'm going down a rabbit hole. Let's just look, just go with it. Uh, but go back to the the field museum. Carter compliments Abby's dancing, and oh look, her ex husband is here with his girlfriend. Ugh. Always fun, and uh, he calls out. He call, of course. Being the uh, the shitty ex husband that he is, he has to call out Abby that no oh look that uh, I recognize that dress oh yeah it's from my you were a bridesmaid in my sister's wedding rude what an asshole yep absolute piece of shit but then uh Luca catches the bishop's doctor up on his treatment and everything that's been going on and Doctor Frost is pissed and lectures Luca about how much danger he put the bishop in. And Luke is like, yeah, duh, if I knew, I wouldn't have done it. Um, and Dr. Frost calls um, calls the bishop drug-seeking, and is like, this is drug-seeking behavior. Like, we can't support this. Blah, blah, blah. Not happy with Luca. Not happy with the bishop. Not a happy doctor. Um, and then we see the EMTs are bringing in the 65-year-old anyway that Mark turned away. 
Cleo and Carrie go to take him in to care for him, and Mark is like, nope, nope, we shouldn't, and Carrie's like, yes, we should. And as they're walking back to the trauma room, Mark asks if they want to get the shroud out to save some time. Jesus. Just what the fuck? Um, the family shows up right like to the doors of the trauma room as they give up on the code, and Mark's just like, well, I hope this helped them. Ugh. Fuck. When he says that shroud line, I'm just like, what the fuck? Oh my god. It's not great. Also, all 54 episodes are available free streaming on YouTube. They were uploaded, looks like, two years ago. So if you search Titus TV show, there YouTube you should pop right up for you. I know he was really good about, uh, he was up, during the pandemic, he was uploading all of his uh, stand-up specials for free on his YouTube channel. Like, he would do, like, one every Friday. And he was just like, he was like, yeah, whatever helps us get through this. He's actually really like for, for the kind of comedy that he was, you know, championing at the time. And like, just, the, just looking at him, like it's a perfect example of don't judge a book by its cover. Cause if you look at that guy, you would just assume that nothing about him or his personality aged. Well, you would just assume that nowadays he's like ranting about cancel culture and about, you know, bathrooms and just like, just, you just assume he's a fountain of shitty opinions. And if you look at his Twitter account, he's actually really cool. Like Chris Titus is actually a really well-adjusted celebrity and is like, I, I like, he is one of my favorite comedians. I think it's his delivery that I have a problem with. Cause like I've heard it before and it's, he's fine. It's just like, whenever I've heard Lizzie listen to it, it's just, I, again, I think it's something he does have delivery. a like the writing's yeah. there, the everything's there, but something about it just makes my brain go. This has to be offensive somewhere. Like it's just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, he would do like, he would do little voices to. like he would do little voices yeah. At, yeah. that like skirted that line with the R word. Yeah. Yeah. Where it was yeah. like his inner R word. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So like there there was That's... definitely certain things about his uh especially his older material that don't age very well. And I've heard that his newer material, while I agree with a lot of it, is not very good. Like I've heard from people that he just spends a lot of his uh stand up sets now just like shitting on Trump, which is I'm totally here for, but doesn't always make for the most satisfying comedy. So yeah. like it's yeah. it, you know it, it, he's a complex sort of part of my comedic yeah. history. It's it's the voices that must be what I'm thinking of where I'm just like why why don't why why does something about this rub me the wrong way? It was the yeah. voices that's right. But yeah, there's Noah's album, the fifth annual end of the world tour or something like that. Yeah, yeah, his that's one of my favorites. He did. I mean, and when he's not <laughs> doing the when he's not doing the voices and stuff, he does get into really interesting and ma- manages to successfully make light of some really deep, dark family trauma stuff. Like, mm-hmm. like he's some of, he does some of the best comedy I've ever heard about family trauma. So like, you know, he, he it's especially, about yeah, he, he's not without value. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, back to the ER sphere, uh, Carter and Abby are riding around the parking lot looking for Richard's car. Hmm. Mm. She's mm. gonna. She's. She was like, "Oh yeah, I'm just gonna slash his tires. No big deal." And it's like, "Oh, I guess I'll just let. I'll be nice and just let the air out of the tires." And before she can even get to, uh, before she can even finish the first one, she slips and hits her head on the car and causes his car alarm to go off. This whole scene is is a masterpiece and is just fun from beginning to end for me to watch. Just where to begin? First of all, Abby hanging out the window of the limo like a dog is my favorite thing. <laughs> but the real star of this whole situation is fucking Noah Wiley. Noah Wiley is 
exquisite in this scene. <laughs> so like Abby's ranting about the whole situation and is just like she's like, and did you see that girl he's with? Like, did you even think she was pretty? The look on Noah Wiley's face when he says, I don't think I'm going to answer that. <laughs> it's so pitch perfect of just like, that's, it's the Tom Hardy thing of like, mm, that's bait. Like, I'm not going to take that. Like, he's just, it's so good. And then as if that wasn't enough, she asks, what kind of car do you think she drives? And he says, <laughs> Alexis, and then does the dad joke of like, ha, get it? Alexis, he looks so proud of himself, and it is just, man. It's a good pun. We haven't had a it's we so haven't good. had a good purely funny Noah Wiley scene in a long time. This was like I this was exact this was balm for my soul. This was exactly what I needed. It was just like thirty seconds of Noah Wiley shit posting at work. Like that's that's what I needed. Just a little bit of that. Ugh. But uh, we go from there. Nick is uh. Back awake, being taken up to the ICU, and Luca pulls Romano aside and tries one more time to advocate for Nick not wanting surgery. Uh, this was the part that I was talking about earlier with his performance. The look in this kid's eyes mm. when he stares at Luca pleading for help. It is such a good nonverbal moment of acting from, um, oh my God. Josh Peck. Thank you. From Josh Peck. Like, my heart shattered. Yeah when we saw his eyes and just, I don't know how he did it, how he got all of that expression in one look, but he nailed yeah. it. And it's so fucking good. Sorry. No, it, it's, it, was, it, it really it, is a testament to the, the quality and the, and the talent of him as an actor that, you know, like I said, his calling card at this time, and maybe this is him trying to sort of slowly crawl his way out of that uh, stigma or that stereotype uh, by doing a role that isn't centered around his weight and isn't centered around him being funny. Um, but this is proof right here that like, even at this time when his calling card was the funny fat kid, he was fully capable of giving these like knockdown drag out dramatic performances that he could actually act his ass off. And he wasn't just a sight gag. So like kudos to him. Uh, and that's pretty much the last we see of him. Uh, th there's more expositional dialogue about it when we get back to the bishop, but like this is it for Nick for this episode. So uh, Carrie runs out to talk to Mark, and uh, she requests him to take some additional time off, which he refuses. Which, oh boy, we're starting the Carrie v Mark portion of the next season and a half, pretty much. Like, thanks, I hate it. Yeah, really, really, the next season solidly like next uh it's just strictly one season we only have about one season of mark left like in total episodes which is just wild to think about and as we're yeah, as we're rapidly nearing uh the sweeps okay. portion of the season i'm gonna say it and i'm gonna get i'm gonna get yelled at for it i love mark but i will be ready for this to be done by the time oh, it oh. is time for him to go, I will be ready. Absolutely, for this to be done. I've always, I've always, yeah, I have always maintained that they milk the ever-loving fuck out of this storyline for all it is worth, arguably to its detriment, and it's only because those three episodes, we all know which three I'm talking about. The, it's <laughs> only because of those three episodes being as good as they are <laughs> that this storyline is is looked back on with the fondness that it is. Uh, for $50, I will send each of our patrons a video of Lizzie sobbing as we watch oh. on the beach. Make it 100 so I get half of it. 
That's fair. Okay. For $100, you too can have a video uh, in iPhone HD of Lizzie crying while she watches on the beach. Uh, For 150 we'll film it with my phone and Android HD. There you go. There we go. Yeah. Uh, but Luca tells the bishop that his doctor dressed him down pretty good. Um, bishop says, thank you for the treatment and for listening. The yeah, bishop's talking about Nick, and he says, you think he should be able... You think he should have been able to choose how he wanted to live? Well, I want to work. There's that There's and... that other end of the Uno reverse. Hey. Like, hey, right back at you, sad boy. Sorry, my delivery was all fucked up. But anyway, uh, Luca gives him the steroids. <laughs> like, Just... like, basically gives him the, like, like... I don't know, like, it's very, like, sitcom-y almost. It's like, ah, you got me. Like, all right, here's the steroids. That'll probably kill you. He just turns right into the med counter and gets them. Right. Like, all right, you got me. Here's your steroids. Uh, Yeah, so we go back to uh, Abby and Carter. Richard is getting towed, and Abby says, dude doesn't even have AAA, so he's going to have to pay for it. And then Abby apologizes for ruining their night, uh, to which Carter's like, what? Ruined what? I don't like these two together. Uh, And then uh, we see, as we close out the episode, Carrie in the lounge making a call to uh, med board somebody. It's not really clear who she's calling, but she's making a call to somebody evaluating Mark for cognitive impairment. As Lizzie so eloquently put it earlier, thanks, I hate it. Yep. Yep. But I didn't hate this episode. I like this episode a lot. Mm. Solid eight point five for me. I think it, it. I think it's strengthened by. I think the the best part about it is for me is the bishop stuff. Mm-hmm. Just again, I love James Cromwell and Luca, whose actual name I'll never be able to pronounce properly. But the Mila, curse has passed. Yeah, no, it's. <laughs> It's 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 always been both of us. I've just never been brave enough to attempt. Thank you. So it's not just it's really me. not that hard though. It's not that it's hard. It's that I then confuse myself on which one it is because I'm, I I like overthink it. And it's the I same just... thing that happened on that and that fucking interview where I couldn't get the guy's name oh, right. Sure. You just psyched yourself out. Yeah, it's it's just whatever. He's anyway. just gonna, he's just Luka Kovac to me for all for all eternity now. Doesn't get a real name. Exactly. Um, Senor Viznich. But yeah, just there's so much. It's a it's a real downer episode. Is <laughs> I think is my biggest criticism of it. It's a really big downer episode. There's a lot to be like, oh fuck, oh yeah. oh the bishop's dying. Oh this kid doesn't want to live anymore. Yeah, there's oh, there isn't oh, very much that hope. HIV storyline. There's yeah. So I mean, you have like the little bit of silliness and lightheartedness with uh, the whole uh, fundraiser thing, right? But that's kind of a little shot at the very end is where it gets amusing more amusing than anything else mm-hmm. and then but other than that it's a real downer but god damn there's a lot of good acting and a lot of good mm-hmm. stuff going on in this one you're, you're missing you're missing the carrie weaver uh gay sparkle on this episode mm-hmm. like that's been the, that's yeah. been the thing that's propping up most of the ha- really missing lesbians <laughs> you need a little bit of the f- not to you know not to skirt a line here but you're missing some of the fairy dust in this episode oh <laughs> like, um i'll say this daniel you you pointed this out to me because i was talking about this when I, I was doing notes was i did not get to do my fun watch for this episode because life is insane and to the detriment of my opinion of this episode, because I was like, oh, I'm going to give it a seven. But then we're talking about it, and I'm like, no, really, I enjoyed it. It's probably closer to a 7.5 or an eight. But just, God, those fun watches make all the difference in the world. Yeah. When I'm, it just, Life needs to slow back down again so I can watch an episode twice in one week to do notes properly. 
Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'd agree with you on your statement, Lizzie. I'd probably give it closer to a 7.5 or 8, but solid performances, solid storylines all the way through. It doesn't feel like a lot is wasted. It's, yeah. Yeah. Love the Bishop. Love Nick. It's one of those episodes that, like, we've had a few like this where I feel like the threads are, the individual threads are greater than the sum of its parts like the the stringing together of the various threads and the stringing together of of everybody's bullshit doesn't quite come together to make a perfect episode but each individual thread independent of everything else works really great the bishop stuff is great the carter and abby stuff minus the implied romance at the end is great like there's there's great stuff to be found in just about every aspect of this episode. None of it uplifting, like Lizzie said. All of it a complete fucking bummer. <laughs> but there's still really good performances and really great stuff to be found in each one. So yeah, I think 8 out of 10 is totally, totally reasonable. Uh, but Lauren, what do the listeners have to say about it? Oh, uh, the listeners. Uh, David L., Listener, I think it's it was a one. short turnaround. We, yeah. we have to record yeah. this one early because uh, somebody's going on a vacation. So and because Daniel couldn't do it our normal Tuesday night. Oh, true. Yeah, it's it's equally my fault as it is Lauren. So we had a quick turnaround on this one. So there wasn't as much time for I, you to get your responses in as normal. I am blameless in this. Yeah, you're blameless, Lizzie. You're great. Uh, David L. says, Dr. Weaver, this clown is crashing. Another moment where Malucci shows a more compassionate side to a patient trying to help the patient whose partner's whose partner is HIV positive. I like Abby's bridesmaid dress that she wears to the gala. She pulls it off. I also love how she gets back at Richard by popping the car tires. Yep. All fair points. All right. Well, that's fucking wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week, and for only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry. Two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews and over 55 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a free four-monthly bonus show called The Lounge, movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and Who's Fix for Those, where Lauren reads us some ER fanfiction. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, And we are at Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Uh, folks can find me humble bragging that I'm finally making my way through Dark Souls 1 on my personal Twitter at lobob92345. You can also find me on Twitter, not doing any humble bragging whatsoever because I have nothing going on in my life. That's anyway. the spirit. <laughs> uh, you, can find, you can find me there. I am at randomgamer. That's G-A-M-3-R. And thanks again to everyone very much for listening. Please join us again next time and have a great week. Bye.